0: Everybody, welcome back to the Catholic Dating Podcast, the only podcast that is called the Catholic Dating Podcast, I think. A couple of housekeeping things. Um, First of all, I, when I was recording this episode, I had my mic plugged into my laptop. Um, but when I was recording on the software, I forgot to select my mic, and so it just recorded off of my laptop microphone, so the audio quality is not that great, but it's not unusable. Like, it just sort of sounds like I called in, like, from a cell phone or something, so I was like, ugh, I don't really want to record 45 minutes of audio again, so I just am making do, and I hope it won't be too unbearable. Um, secondly... I'm going to take a little break for the rest of the Lenten season from this podcast. I thoroughly enjoy making this podcast, recording it, producing it, putting it out, and getting feedback, but it also, uh, it does take up a good deal of time, um, and then also running the Catholic Bachelorette account takes up a good bit of time, and so after I put this episode out, I'm just going to Uh, take a few weeks off from that account as well as from this podcast just to more fully enter into the Lenten season. Um, And also because I actually have another podcast that I've been running for a good amount longer than this one. Um, And I'm in the middle of releasing the fourth season of that podcast. And so trying to edit two podcasts a week is just a lot. Um, But that podcast might have some episodes that interest you. So, if you need something in the meantime, it is called "The Crab and the Cross." It's available on Apple and Spotify. Um, I interview different Catholics on that podcast. There's a wide range of topics. Some of them are more theological, others are more um, spiritual, cultural, um, evangelical. Like, there's just a wide a wide range. Um, but the interviews some of the interviews that I've put out most recently are about marriage and talking to married couples who've gone through some challenging things. And so those might be interesting to you. And also if you go way back, um, there is an episode on Catholic dating with um, uh, a Catholic woman who I'm connected with via Instagram named Claire McAllen, who has written um, some about dating and um, she's also like a poet and does some other artistic endeavors. So, check out that conversation as well. And that should totally tide you over. All right. And before we get to the topic, um, I actually got some audio feedback from someone on the hotline. And so I'm very excited to share this audio feedback. He responded to the two listener questions on um, the most recent episode. And so I'm going to share with you what he had to say.
1: Hey, I'm calling in to answer both questions from the Homeowner episodes, Mailbags, from a 25-year-old guy's perspective. Uh, I believe the first question was, how can you gauge a guy's personality or heart in a long-distance relationship? On Catholic Match, I consider long distance to be any round trip by car greater than eight hours, which is a very generous definition, but such is Catholic dating in the 21st century. And in my case, I entertain dating someone 2,600 miles away for months. These were video dates and I and any man, uh, can demonstrate his heart effectively through acts that show he's thinking of you outside of your calls. In my case, that was sending care packages with treats that were popular in my family, like European chocolates. Uh, I would also send surprise DoorDash deliveries that would arrive at the beginning of our FaceTimes to her place. <clears throat> and I'd even send handwritten cards that took hours to get just right. Uh, he can and should also show his personality by bringing up tough conversations like initiating mature and transparent conversation about sex uh, by, in my opinion, your sixth date. And if he doesn't, you reserve the right to politely ask him why or initiate the topic yourself. Two months in, I eventually flew out for a weekend to which we realized it wasn't meant to be within 24 hours of meeting, albeit my in-person dating experience was minimal up to that point, and my many fumbles that weekend made it obvious but it does prove that when it comes to judging the vibe or the chemistry, FaceTime is a liar. In hindsight, all FaceTime proved and can prove, and I know this is kind of controversial with how much promotion there is for long-distance dating in the Catholic scene, but all that FaceTime can prove is that you two are similar and could get along as very dependable friends. The only good way to gauge another person romantically is in person. So unless you two aren't a person to see, are in person, are in a position, I'm sorry, to see each other often, which could mean you're a flight attendant who can influence your work routes, the circle is area, or he's a trucker who can do the same. Then you really should minimize your dating pool to local people as painfully small as the Catholic scene can be and trust in God from there. From what I've seen, God can be funny, but he's not cool.
0: So all in all, uh, can't disagree with that advice. You know, see how a guy treats you uh, when you're not directly with him. Um, And how he shows you that he's thinking about you. And yeah, long distance relationships are definitely challenging. There's a limit to how much you can get to know someone via even FaceTime. Like you said, it's a very controlled environment. Um, I think it's a good reason to get in person as soon as possible. Because at least once you have that in-person connection. And then you like continue building over FaceTime in between Uh, other in-person connections you kind of have a more of a sense of I guess of what you're investing into Um, but also for people to know like if you have been just facetiming someone for a couple months and then you finally meet in person it's probably going to be a little bit awkward and a little bit uncomfortable and I think it's good to um, on some level like lower your expectations not for like whether the person will treat you well or anything like that but just for like the connection like it's just different building it in in person um, and so kind of allow some space for that to develop in its own way okay and they also have some feedback on another question answered on that episode
1: second for the guy from the homeowner mailbag episode uh the guy fed up with female dishonesty i feel you earlier this month i made cookies for my three new neighbors because i just moved to florida you England sucks i know you're from maryland i'm sorry but i don't miss the cold weather uh, and one renter and her roommate invited me into their place to break the ice for a few minutes where we had a really wonderful conversation about how we're both engineers. Uh, a week passes, and I find myself with extra ingredients for some homemade edamame rice bowls, and I figured it would be kind to share this dinner with neighbors who I figured were comfortable with me enough to invite me into their place. I knock on their door the day before, I get them to agree, although reluctantly, and as you can probably tell from foreshadowing, ah, they fled their apartment for when our dinner would be. Could they have at least slipped a note beneath the door saying, thanks for the invite, but were not interested and spared me an hour of cooking? Absolutely. Was I flirtatious in my approach? Absolutely not. These ladies were international students who gave no indication of even being Christian, and I just figured after organizing homemade dinners with my male and female classmates in grad school that I'd continue being my hospitable self in a new environment. So what's the takeaway? First, the host of this podcast gave solid advice. Women are potentially too cautious about men being creepy to the point that they will grasp for the quickest lie to escape because they are agreeable by nature. Side note, if a woman says, I will be busy at that time, she means she's not interested in whatever get-together you've planned whatsoever unless she proposes an alternative time herself, right? I learned that the hard way. Um, The second takeaway is that all we can do as men is realize in marriage that you only need to get it right once. So don't despair over the 99 woman that didn't work out. Bonus takeaway. There's a lot of online dating coaches who give helpful advice in some areas, but sometimes they encourage their viewers to act disingenuously Chad-like and confident to the point that women, who sincerely are exceptional judges of characters, besides thinking most guys are Jeffrey Dahmer, um, they can tell he's playing a facade, that it at least makes the woman feel suspicious of you if you try to act like a Giga Chad. Uh, I have my own insecurities ranging from thinking I'm honestly too effeminate to thinking my dislike for alcohol limits what date ideas I can propose to women, but reminding myself that few men are working as hard as me to keep their career trajectory, fitness routine, and prayer life as steadfast as mine will be noticed by at least one woman's exceptional judgment of character, uh, even if we don't meet for 10 more years. You really need to be yourself in dating, and ironically, your definition of what that is will shift with every embarrassment you commit. Uh, I've already seen an increase in my success rate talking to women because of it, so I pray that you, Mr. Anonymous, uh, are able to find your footing, and that genuinely starts by not moving too fast with women and trusting that they can see how genuinely good you are if you just let them see the unashamedly and mildly quirky uh, version of yourself that your closest friends know that you are. Okay. Take care.
0: Great anecdote. Um, I... You know, I I totally see where both of you are coming from because that was a super kind and generous gesture that you did and you were trying to be a genuinely just good neighbor. But I also know as a female, if my male neighbor brought me cookies and then a week later was like, hey, do you want um, me to make dinner for you and your roommate? I would be a little bit on edge. Um, and, And, you know, it doesn't mean that the gesture wasn't genuine, but it is... It is forward and to be honest, I would interpret it as a romantic gesture because that's so above and beyond, you know. Um, And so I think that's just good something for guys to be mindful of when it comes to opposite sex interactions with someone of like your relative age group. You know, regardless of in your mind, it's totally just a friendly gesture. You're not looking for something romantic. And this can go both ways too. you know, men to women and women to men. Friendly gestures often can be perceived as romantic and I think a good rule of thumb is, like, the less you know them, like, the less overtly friendly you want to be, um, especially just toward towards women. And, and, you know, again, you sound like such a wonderful guy and, like, someone who is genuinely trying to grow as a person and um, treat others well. And so I can tell that you just have a generous spirit, but yeah, I, 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 and I'm sorry that you spent all that time making this, this dinner only to get kind of stood up. Um, but yeah, I totally, you know, just as, as a woman can see how that could have been overwhelming for them. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned like they seem to sort of reluctantly agree. And so I think it's good if you sort of sense that like a woman is kind of hemming and hawing like, oh, well, you know, that, that's kind of her trying to figure out, um, an excuse. And so, you know, when it comes to neighborly interactions, I think it, it's good to, especially just in this day and age where we're so atomized and we're so, um, you know, unfortunately we're too far in the other direction where our neighbors can be total strangers to us. You kind of have to, you know, just tread lightly and slowly build up that familiarity because that's something, again, I think I mentioned in the previous episode, like especially women need that familiarity to feel comfortable and to feel safe. Uh, But thank you so much for leaving this audio feedback, Um, encouragement for others to leave um, audio feedback, and I'll play it on the show. Uh, best, uh, Best of luck to you in your new move and in all of your dating endeavors. We are rounding up the end of the month of February, which means that the February dating challenge is almost over my challenge for you was to ask someone, you know, for a setup. And so if you have taken up on the February dating challenge, especially if you have actually, um, you know, if the person you asked to set you up actually had someone in mind, let me know how it went. Even if you asked someone, if they knew anyone they could set you up with, and they didn't, it's still good to let people in your life know that you're out there, that you're looking for someone and that you are open to them assisting you with um, finding dates. Last week, I shared the story of buying my house as a single 27 year old. And several people wrote in to say that they um, really resonated with the experience. Um, I think especially women. Um, now I had a guy send a message over Instagram and he said, Hey, great episode today. Totally related to lots of things you talked about. Bought my house at 25 by myself right after a breakup. Guys clearly look at some aspects differently. Never thought twice about any of the dishes or pots and pans that I brought with me. Most were hand-me-downs or Christmas presents over the previous years. But decorating, painting, deciding how to arrange things, etc., were all moments like you described. Like I really wished I had someone doing it with me. Honestly, still wish that, but have gotten used to it after almost eight years here. Wow. Yeah. I think it's a weird phenomenon um, for single people in this day and age to be buying a home. Um, it's definitely a sign of the times. Like, it's a sign that people are not getting married as young as they used to. The fact that women are buying homes is obviously a sign of... Um, you know, women taking on um, careers. Like I said, I did not buy my house with a high paying job. I was a teacher. So I was not some like high-flutin' girl boss. Um, And interestingly, someone sent me over on Instagram an article that showed that right now women are outpacing men in the real estate market, that more women, more single women are homeowners than single men. Um, and, and this is interesting. I don't know if this is also related to the trend of more women now earning college degrees than men. You know, these all bring up kind of deeper issues about um, gender roles and the decline of, of um, Christian culture. Um, I don't think it's fair to paint these things as completely black or white. Like, I, I don't like maxims that say like, everyone must aim to get married before they are 25 years old, or, you know, women must live at home before they get married. And, you know, all these kind of like very, you know, these very sort of black and white directives that I think people state to try to solve cultural and social problems that they see. Um, But it's just not so easy to like impose a maxim kind of from above and say, everyone must adhere to this. You know, I see I see things a lot in the conservative space and the conservative Christian space, like telling people, young people, that the most important thing for them to do is to, to get married, has many, have as many kids as possible um, and, and to encourage them to get married young. And I think the problem with that messaging is actually the fact that it assumes that people are intentionally delaying marriage you know, like if I as a 32 year old woman is not married, it must be because I am putting my career first and don't want to be a mother. And I'm just like going from fling to fling, which is the complete opposite of what is the reality. And I know there's many men in those situations too, who are in their, you know, mid even late thirties who want to get married. And they're not just like living a degenerate lifestyle and um, intentionally putting off responsibility. So I think we have to be careful about about messaging that just assumes that being unmarried uh, is a choice. Anyways, what I want to do today is talk about the March Dating Challenge, which will also lead into really this entire episode. The March Dating Challenge is to... Do a little DM sliding, whether on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or, I don't know, other social media platforms that people use. I I know there's all kinds of like more niche ones out there. I know some people are into things like Discord and Twitch and all that. So I'm going to talk today about the art of the DM slide. Now, I am living proof that it is possible to meet someone through Instagram. I shared about a month ago on my Catholic Bachelorette page, where I often give little dating updates, that I am in a relationship now. And it is with a guy that I met through Instagram. It's also a guy who I met prior to the whole start of this podcast. I think I've mentioned that I had that Instagram account at the Catholic Bachelorette for about two years before launching the podcast. So I'll share a little bit about my story and then talk about some general tips for um, using Instagram as or, or using social media as kind of like a, a quasi-dating app. I don't want to say exactly dating app. So for those who didn't see my post over on Instagram, um, the guy that I am now dating is someone that I had connected with on Instagram well over a year ago. Um, and he followed me on that page and because he, and what's funny is I don't have like a, my, my profile picture on that page. Like my face is kind of obscured by it, by a phone. Like I want it to be sort of semi-anonymous the same way that this podcast cover art is like semi-anonymous. Um, but He added me, I saw, I thought he was cute. So I added him back. Um, And like I have with many other people, both men and women, like we would chat every once in a while back and forth in DMs, you know, my page is very interactive. So I'm often posting, you know, whether it's articles or reels or other posts that have to deal with dating and, and people often chime in with their perspective. I do a lot of surveys and polls on there. Uh, and often like if if a conversation kind of looks like it's being generated, i I'll, I'll share anonymously like people's comments that they send in via DM like so that you can see like kind of what others are, are saying as they weigh into a topic. And so he was just one of those people that I um, kind of knew as a like frequent flyer, so to speak, who who would often like communicate with me you know, weigh in on topics in that sense. Um, and so I just kind of got to know him a little bit over the year. Um, but I had no intention of ever meeting him. He lived completely across the country. Um, and I also found out that he was a good bit younger than me, definitely younger than I would have been open to dating. Um, and then, uh, back in August, I found out that he was going to be moving out pretty close to me to go to law school. And me, you know, again, not really trying to make a romantic advance, but I was like, oh my, like, I was like, wow, we should like totally meet up. Like I, you know, I, I sometimes work in that area. Um, And he was also going to law school at the place I went to for undergrad. And so I was like, I know the area well, like I can kind of show you around. And so we um, exchanged numbers and it was kind of like my sort of initiative. Uh, But again, I was just sort of being a friendly person, um, trying to welcome him to this, this area that he'd never been to before. And so we had like a very brief kind of coffee meetup. Um, and I didn't really leave that thinking like, Oh yeah, like this could be something. (laughs) Um, although he did, so that's fun. Um, but we just continued to kind of, you know, chat back and forth every now and then that, now that we had each other's numbers, we would text every now and then. Um, and because my page, he knew me from a dating page, like we would often, talk about our own dating experiences, you know, um, share what was happening, get feedback from the other person. And so I think that allowed a little bit more of a friendship to grow because we were kind of, um, seeking one another's input, um, and sharing like, you know, more personal aspect of our lives. And it just kind of got to the point around the end of November where we were both single. Um, and I just think like the communication had sort of gradually increased And I definitely started to think like, oh, maybe there could be something here. Like I always just blocked it out because I was like, he's just too young, like uh, too younger than I would date. Um, But he kind of started dropping some hints, some more flirtatious sort of things here and there. Uh, And I just kind of started to think, you know what, like maybe I could give this a shot. Um, And so, again, kind of being casual about it, like he was going to be going home for Christmas break. And I was like, oh, we should like let's meet up again uh you know for coffee like um and we did and I uh, to be completely honest I, I left that thing going I don't know I don't think it's like I don't think it's gonna be a romantic connection <laughs> um like I thought he was a very good looking guy but something about the personality just like in person it's like it click so well over text but like in person I was like I don't think it's clicking I don't know um uh, but I didn't want to just like lose a friend or or like blow off a friend. So I was like, you know, like let's keep in touch, like maybe we can FaceTime. Um and we ended up facetiming like a couple of days later before he he flew back home and I was just sort of going into like, ah, eh, you know, we'll see how this goes. Um uh, but not really putting any pressure on it and I just ended up really enjoying that conversation with him and I was laughing a lot and we just ended up talking for like 2 hours and I was like, okay, maybe maybe there is something here. Um, but because he was going to be away for a month, it was sort of like no pressure. And so we just continued FaceTiming, talking on the phone, texting, like the whole duration of him being out there. And it just kind of naturally evolved into, you know, the fact that we do both want to to date each other. Um, and so we planned a date for, for when he got back and we, we kind of both knew this going into that date, but like from that date, we were like, yeah, we want to, um, date exclusively. So So yeah, so I I am proof that you can meet someone through Instagram and it's possible for it to happen and not a creepy way. But I think there are some things you can do, whether a male or female, to maximize your success. So let me share a few tips. All right. The absolute number one first tip of using social media, whether Instagram or another platform, um, as an opportunity to meet other people um, at a potentially romantic context is to have a good profile picture. It's the same thing for if you're on a dating app. It's just the way it is. Pictures are the first way that we connect with somebody. And the easiest way we can tell if there might be some attraction there. So... It's very common on a lot of social media platforms to just have like a kind of avatar um, profile picture. You're more than welcome to do that. But I'm here to tell you that anonymous or seemingly anonymous accounts are not the way to go if you want someone to reciprocate reciprocate interest. It's even happened to me multiple times where guys have tried to be very forward with me in the DMs um, and they don't have a profile picture. They have an avatar profile picture. And I'm like... I don't know any. I, I don't know who you are. Like you could be, like you know, a 72 year old woman or a 13 year old boy. Like, ha, I mean, obviously people can have a fake profile picture. That's just you know that's what they call catfishing. But the best thing to do is to show up on your profile as like who you really are. It's your face. You're using your real name. You know you have a little bit of a bio that indicates again that you're just like a real and normal person because that's kind of the first hurdle to get over it's just like this sort of stranger danger creep factor or just like the whole like weird anonymous factor like people are looking for a real connection with a real person and so don't even I mean I would say don't even try to be getting into the dms unless you are really Showing up as yourself on your account. I mean, I know there's other things like I'm not super, super savvy in in other areas of like social media, you know, things like um, Discord. I don't know if that's it's like not common for people to use their face in those things. If it's like the norm to have an avatar. I'm just going to kind of stay in my lane here and, and really just talk about the the main social media platforms, which are Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter. But you can kind of maybe act according to the the sort of prescribed culture. But yeah, have a good, clear profile picture, updated profile picture. Use at least your full first name. I mean, you your know, first name, last name is nice, but at least your full first name. Um, and then, you know, you can use the bio. Just It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but just, again, something that makes it seem like you're a real person. And then, It's also nice. It's not necessary, but it is nice if your profile is public or at least somewhat public so that people can see a little bit more about you, what you're up to, what you're into. Um, You know, again, have other things on your page. There are a lot of people, especially guys who don't really, who like use Instagram, but don't post on Instagram. So they might have like an almost completely blank profile, but like they interact all the time. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but like if you're trying to make a show someone you're interested in and, and get them to respond positively, it's nice for them to have a little something to almost investigate. Something else that can be helpful is to, it's nice when you have mutual followings. You know, I don't want to give advice where people just sort of manufacture things, but like it, it's nice to, for that person, even if they're not someone that you could know in real life, um, in, in, in the sense of like overlapping social circles it's nice to see that maybe you have some similar interests. So, you know, again, this being the Catholic dating podcast, maybe you're following some of the same Catholic pages. There's so many Catholic content creators out there. Um, And and in fact, it would be nice to see if you had sort of some shared overlap with that. That can also give them maybe a sense of where you lean in your faith um, and what some of your priorities are in terms of, of of the faith. So I think it's great to have some mutual followings. Ideally, that's not something that you are manufacturing. And kind of along that same vein, you know, if you're going to use social media as a way to meet people, you can't use it exactly the way you would use a dating app. Like when you're on a dating app, you are just kind of shooting your shot pretty um, indiscriminately. You know, if, if it's a, the kind of app where you're like swiping through profiles, like Most people are just kind of, you know, sending out a lot of likes and and sort of seeing what comes back. Or, you know, if you're on Catholic Match, I don't think it's that crazy to, you know, try to send like, you know, two or three messages to people, different people every time you're on and and just see who responds. I would say with something like social media, you want to take a more targeted approach and not just be like shooting shots in the dark, but, but like make it somebody that you are genuinely interested in getting to know and that you can develop a rapport with. And so this brings me to like, there's really two approaches you can take with this. There's the indirect approach and there's the more direct approach. My boyfriend definitely took the more indirect approach, which I think, which is funny because he's a very um, direct person, but it makes sense because he, you know, we live thousands of miles apart. There wasn't really like, it it wasn't like he followed me initially being like, oh, let me like, you know get to know this girl. It was more like he was interested in the content that I was putting out because it was about Catholic dating and he was a Catholic trying to date. But it was good for me like to not just feel like someone was just like pouncing on me, you know? And so the indirect approach is really just casually building up rapport over time. The more direct approach is kind of coming out of the gate and sort of doing a little hanky drop as it were. Um, and I think which approach you take probably depends on the circumstances. Um, so here's a couple of guidelines for like the indirect approach, you know, sometimes like when you're on social media, like you'll see things, especially Facebook and Instagram, like you'll see, um, kind of a section for like people you might know, um, or suggested accounts to follow. And often it's people, it could be people that you actually have briefly met in real life and just never, um, connected with on social media. Other times it is someone that, you have like mutual friends with, um, and so I think when when you have like mutual actual mutual friends, mutual follows, I think throwing out a, a friend request or a follow request is pretty likely to, at the very least, be successful, and then if you kind of like you know they add you back in that, you know just from that request um the more indirect approach you could be would just to be like on instagram kind of start watching their stories see a little bit a little bit about what they're into what they're up to and then if there's something that strikes your attention or is a sign of like a mutual interest or something something that is like actually relevant like you can start replying to their stories or reacting to their stories um you know not overwhelming them but just kind of every now and then you're like oh wow that's really funny i'm missing them a little haha or like What's nice is if you can kind of go from the reacts to the DMs, like maybe there is something they share, like maybe they're, they're, they 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 go somewhere that you've been to before and you're like, oh, my gosh, like I was there and da-da-da-da-da. like, you know, they're, they're, it's nice to have like an icebreaker like that. And then just kind of let those conversations naturally progress and then naturally fizzle. It doesn't have to be a constant communication back and forth, like once you send that first DM just kind of let some rapport build. Again, it's very different from a dating app where it's like obvious, like if if, if two people connect on a dating app, it's obvious that they're both single. I mean, ideally, there are, you know, creeps on there. But like, ideally, like both single, both looking, both express mutual attraction, because there's like, you know, they're responding via a dating app. It's not as guaranteed on social media. So you kind of, I think, do need to play it a little bit more safe. And so it, it shouldn't be like your sole means of meeting someone or, or putting all your eggs, even though I said it's good to take a more targeted approach, like, you know, I don't think it's good to be like, I am going to pursue this person I know from social media and nobody else. Um, like just kind of be relaxed about it, kind of be casual about it and, and slowly build up that rapport by commenting on their stories, kind of sending a reply and, and kind of gauging, you know, gauging their interest, right? If they like never respond, then that's kind of it. You can also take a more direct approach, and I think there are ways you can do this that can be successful. Ways that are not successful, and this has happened to me definitely, where someone will just DM you, hey, I don't even respond to that. Like if some random account follows me, even if they have a profile picture and then they send me a DM that just says, hey, I'm just like, no. (laughs) It's, It's not a conversation starter, you know? Uh, people are looking to be engaged in conversation. So if you want to take a more direct approach, again, it depends a little bit on the context. If it's someone that you have mutuals with, like mutual friends, mutual followers, you could send a DM and be like, Hey, I see that you, um, know these people. Like, did you go to, you know, this school maybe that they're all from, or do you work with them or just kind of something that kind of asks like, Oh, how do, how do you know these people? Or maybe there is something about their profile that does catch catch your eye. Maybe you actually saw them comment on a post that can kind of signify, like, a shared interest or a shared value. And maybe they posted something thoughtful. And so you can message them and say, like, hey, I really liked what you said on so-and-so's post. You know, I'm Bob, by the way. And just, I mean, you know, it is a little more nerve-wracking to, like, shoot your shot. But again, it's, it's social media. It's such a low kind of bar, right? If we're talking about somebody like Twitter, you know, you just start liking someone's tweets and then, you know, hopefully they'll follow you back. And they like some of your tweets and maybe you comment on some of their tweets. And then, you know, maybe eventually like you send them a DM because you can see that there's some mutual interests, you know, like and you can it, you can do the indirect approach where you maybe you send them a post that you think they would like because you've gotten a sense of their interests based on their social like their Twitter activity. Or maybe you take the more direct approach where you say, hey, like, I always enjoy your tweets. I'm, I'm so-and-so, by the way. And, you know, just kind of see how they respond to that. Again, someone might completely ignore you. And, and if someone ignores you, it, it's okay. Just move on. You know, they could be, there could be a million reasons for it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they think you're, like, um, you know, a hideous troll. But the, the more the better you can do to just come off as, like, normal and, like, just normal, <laughs> I think the better your chances are. Another really great thing you can utilize um, is Facebook groups. So Facebook groups are super popular. Um, They're definitely very popular amongst women, uh, but I think there are also groups that men are part of. There are a couple of dating Facebook groups that you might look into. Um, The Catholic ones that I've seen don't seem to have a ton of activity on them. Um, but there are some Christian ones out there. Like I I can't remember if I've mentioned there's a podcast that's really good. It's called the heart of dating. It's a Christian dating podcast. It's been around for like four or five years. Um, really, really high quality content. Definitely recommend it, but they have a corresponding Facebook group that's been around for a number of years. And so when I discovered that podcast, I joined their Facebook group and it's sometimes it's people asking questions, like trying to get advice about dating and relationships. Other times it's people posting introductory posts about themselves um, and it's common to, like, you know, be able to DM somebody that you might find interesting. So I would look into Facebook groups. They could be based on a, a, something you're particularly interested in, or they could be based on your faith. Um, and, and again, not like becoming like the, the group creep where you just DM like every single attractive person in there. But just kind of like, you know, you have to be authentic about these things. You have to be genuine about these things. So join a group that you're genuinely interested in. And, you know, if you find someone in that group that you are also genuinely interested in, shoot your shot. I know that if you are part of a Facebook group, there is also a feature where you can write a little bio about yourself. So like if someone clicks on your name, it goes to a page where they see a little bit bigger version of your profile picture And then there is a space where you can write a little bit of a bio and they can also see like your recent activity in the group. So if you are in a Facebook group, it's also good to like actually participate in it and not just look like some random lurker. And then the last thing I'll, I'll mention, and this is, you know, first of all, it's Lent. Okay. (laughs) Like a lot of people are trying to be off social media during Lent. So maybe in retrospect, this isn't the best time to release this. Um, but listen, you can do the March dating challenge in May. It's fine. Um, there's still, you know, this is uh, the point of this is like, give you creative ways to like expand your horizon when it comes to dating. Um, but there, you know, there are some benefits to being on social media. If you're a single person, um, there's a Catholic speaker. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with her name is Emily Wilson. She has YouTube videos, many of them about dating and relationships. I think some about motherhood too. Um, she has an Instagram page and a couple months ago she started posting these posts, um, that had a picture of like her and her husband on their wedding day. And she said, this is a matchmaking post. And she encouraged people to kind of introduce themselves in the comments and then, you know, have free reign to like DM people from there. Um, and she got thousands of responses. It's funny, both the guy I'm dating, both me and the guy I'm dating now, prior to dating one another, had also like gone on some dates with people that we met actually through one of those posts. Uh, and I remember us talking about it. And so it, it's not always a guarantee, but it's, it's just another option, you know? Um, and I think she did the same post also on Facebook. And then there were a couple other Catholic accounts I saw um, kind of doing the same thing. There's other Christian accounts out there who will sort of make their profile uh, a means of connecting people. There's a lot of people out there who just want to help others find love, you know, and hopefully in the future I can use this, this podcast as a way of um, connecting people. That's definitely something in the back of my mind. So I hope this gave you a little bit of advice on how you can use social media as a way to meet somebody. There are a lot of people who, who have met through social media. This is the modern world. Okay. And, and here's the thing, like, just because you meet someone in a very modern way, doesn't mean that your relationship has to be like very modern, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is like, okay, you met on an app or you met through social media, you can, you still can go on traditional dates, um, you know, traditional romantic gestures, you know, it doesn't mean that like, oh, we met on online. So now our relationship is just Netflix and chill. Like, no, this is just a means of connecting with people. So don't be afraid. All right. And of course, of course, if you shoot your shot with someone, if you take this brave leap, keep me posted on the outcome. All right. We'll close out with some questions. All right. First of all, when I put a question box on Instagram, somebody responded and told me that their friend met a girl at Adoration and then later found out she had an OnlyFans. And I was like, I I messed this person. I was like, you're joking, right? There's no way this is true. And he's like, nope, totally true. And then I died a little bit, um, cause that's kind of horrifying. Um, not that, you know, not that, not that having OnlyFans bars you from being an adoration, but you do kind of presume a certain, uh, level of moral conformity, I guess, um, to somebody who is an adoration. So I don't know. That's sad. Um, but if you're a guy listening, please don't hear that story and think, oh, that's every Catholic girl or that's every girl. There's a lot of sort of red pill stuff out there um, that kind of make it seem like all women are doing that. And it's not true. All right. Somebody else wrote into the hotline with a question. He said, I recently brought up our differences after our first date, and that was the end of her talking to me, even though she said she enjoyed the date. I really thought she would have discussed them with me. So just wondering how to go about discussing differences in a fruitful manner in a dating session, in a dating setting. Is it just a sign they wouldn't be able to communicate in a relationship or is it just not good to bring up differences until later? I still think a little adversity is good to overcome. And if they can't even discuss and they can't even have a discussion of differences, it's a pretty weak relationship foundation to begin building on. All right, a couple of thoughts uh, regarding this question. So first of all, like in general, yeah, it's a good thing to be able to bring up differences um, and to be able to communicate in a calm way about them. Um, You're totally right. It's a general principle. Um, I do think um, doing so after a first date is pretty early. Now, if you find that you have fundamental differences after a first date, you know, things like one of you wants kids and the other one doesn't. Um, or one of you practices their faith and the other one doesn't, or, you know, a a strong difference in like morals or uh, political values or just something like that, that's like a really clear, like a fundamental thing. I think that's generally just a sign to say like, this isn't the right person for me. We don't have enough alignment on our um, values. If it's something that's just a minor difference, like one of you is very active and the other one's very, Um, you know, more of a homebody or, um, you know, differences in like something about your upbringing or your level of education or, you know, I don't know, some, some kind of difference or difference of opinion, even just like, um, one of you thought a certain book was really great. The other one hated it. You know, I think you can definitely discuss those things in sort of a a light manner, but I think after a first date, it's just too much pressure to be like bringing up, um, like having a serious discussion about differences. Um, just to be completely honest, because you're really just still getting to know that person. You're not in a relationship yet. You are just getting to know one another. Um, I mean, obviously going on dates is sort of the preview to building a relationship foundation, but a relationship is really, I think, more so where the foundation begins at a at a deeper emotional level. Like this sort of dating phase is really more uh, making sure you can vibe with the person, making sure there's some mutual attraction, and then also really making sure you have the same um core values. So, you know, I don't know I don't know whether or not you bring up these differences is the reason why she didn't want to go on a second date or if she kind of already made up her mind and then you brought this up and it just sort of solidified things for her. But I think yeah, my general advice is like, you know, if it's a fundamental difference that you know accept a first date, it's probably best to just let things go. You know, maybe you could go on a second date and sort of see if that's something that you might be willing to compromise on. Um but if it's a minor difference, I would probably wait to bring it up unless it's something that's so minor that you can almost just sort of playfully like joke about it. You know, like we just had the Super Bowl, like one of you is rooting for the Chiefs. The other one was rooting for the 49ers. It's like, okay, that's not, hopefully not a fundamental difference. It's something that's just sort of light. Um, so that's my general advice. And then another question came through. This is a really good one. He says, what do you do when you don't trust the people who would be, if the relationship goes a distance, the future mother and father-in-law? What do you do when the person you are dating has described lots of dysfunction within the family with stories from over the years, and the person is on a much more positive and therefore drastically different trajectory now in adulthood, but the relationship with the family is still there. So much to not be damned for the sins of their parents, but also there's a good, there's a lot of hesitation about proceeding given the ongoing family dynamic. No one is unsafe or in danger anything terrible or tragic like that, but there is lots of manipulation and in some cases, a willing commitment to lack of responsibility. Okay. This is a great question and definitely um, a tough one because you're, you're totally right. Like, you know, as you're assessing someone that you might want to marry, you are, um, marrying not just that person, but marrying into their family and they're marrying into your family. And so it's good to think about what kind of family they're coming from. Obviously first and foremost, You want to, someone's family dynamic can tell you a lot about them, but certainly no one is determined by um, their family background. So I think it's good already that you kind of recognize, assuming this is not just a hypothetical question, like you you kind of already recognize like, okay, here's some things that her family does that's not super healthy. Here's some ways that she seems to be on a different path. Like that's good that you're able to recognize that. One thing I think would be really important, and this kind of depends on how serious the relationship is. Um, is to first make sure you can openly discuss these things. You know, you don't have to probe right away, you know, see how much she reveals about her family and and ask her kind of pointedly, though, like, what do you think about that? Do you think that um, is a good response? What would you do differently? Um, And just kind of make sure, first of all, that she recognizes consciously the um, unhealthy patterns in her family you know, another thing to get curious about is whether she's gone through any kind of therapy or counseling for something like that. You know, I know that it can be people that sort of poo poo therapy, but this is precisely the kind of situation where therapy can be really helpful uh, because it can bring to light things that are sort of lurking beneath the surface that can really influence our thoughts and our feelings and and help us to be more conscious about them so that we can choose uh, a different way of, of acting. Um, and then something else. To consider is whether or not this person has any kind of boundaries with their family members, you know. Uh, because when you have family members that do engage in sort of manipulating behavior, they're like you have to kind of accept that they're not going to change. So all you can do control is your response to them. And it's probably good to set make sure that, first of all, I mean, since you're not married, like assess first of all, whether or not she has any kind of boundaries that kind of protect her from um, this kind of behavior. And if she doesn't, you know, maybe you can politely suggest it and and see if she takes, you know, she takes that into consideration. Um, But certainly if you guys are going to be moving towards engagement, you want to talk openly about like what kind of boundaries you want to set, because they're always going to be in your life. You know, when you have kids, they're going to want to probably see the kids and you need to be able to um, assess like how much influence you're going to let them have on on your kids, for example. And then something else that would definitely be praiseworthy and commendable would be to consider some kind of premarital counseling or premarital couples therapy to really get on the same page about these behaviors, how they affect both of you, because I'm sure they would affect both of you in different ways. Um, Again, getting clear about boundaries that you want to set with her family um, and, and ways to bring it up if these boundaries are not being adhered to. Um, you know, I think this is just one of those things that it's like, you don't want to let it fester because it'll just get worse. You want to bring it out into the light. And that's that's definitely tough because you, you're you probably considering like, well, you really like this person and like, you don't want this necessarily to be the end of it. But you're also thinking like, well, what about the rest of my life? You know, can I deal with this for the rest of my life? And those are all really good questions and definitely difficult, challenging questions. Um, so I think... You know, to kind of paraphrase that, really looking at communication, uh, assessing whether she has any kind of boundaries to their family, assessing how conscious she is of their patterns of behavior and how deliberate she is about avoiding them. Um, that's kind of like more of an open conversation. And then, you know, if she seems to have some good things in place, you know, as you progress in the relationship, you might want to really consider some kind of premarital couples counseling. So best of luck to you.